0: So, God inhabits the praises of his people, so why don't you give him another round of applause. We're praising God this evening. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our lives. Um, I'm Pastor Rory. I am one of the campus pastors here with Together Ministries, and I'm thankful to see all of you this evening. Glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew, primarily chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. So, if you have your Bibles, that's where we'll be. Uh, But I just want to say a word of prayer before we get started. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reminder that Colton has brought to us, Lord, that as children of God, there is nothing you cannot overcome, that God, we have a refuge in you, we have a stronghold in you, and Lord, I just pray that whatever we have gone through this week, Whatever we are thinking about even right now, Lord, as we are trying to focus on your word and hear a word from you, that we would just set those things aside and focus on you believing that you have a word for us tonight. So God, we just pray that you would bless the reading and hearing of the word, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be holy, pleasing, and acceptable into your eyes. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Before we get involved in that verse, the verses that uh, we're going to look at tonight, just wanted to remind you of a story that occurred before the actual text we're going to read. And that story is where Jesus was tempted 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness. And One of the things I find most fascinating about that text is the fact that at Jesus' moment of of needing food, at Jesus' most vulnerable moment, that is when he is tested. That is when the devil shows up and tries to make him get involved in things he shouldn't get involved in, to do things he knows he is not called to do. And tonight, as we start our new series, The Road to Discipleship, I hope there are some questions that are brought to your mind that you can ask yourself, okay, in what ways right now is my calling to discipleship being effective? Because I want you to see that however difficult the temptation is in your life, whatever you are going through at this moment, it could be very important for you to understand that this is because there is great potential in your ability to witness. There is great possibility in what the Lord can do through you. And sometimes at that moment of vulnerability, that's when we're tested the most. That's when we feel that pressure. But I want you to see that precipice before that temptation is also a sign that God is using you in powerful ways. And God wants you to take that step forward in discipleship. And Jesus, at his weakest moment, is tempted by Satan to turn stones into bread. And one of the things I find most fascinating about that is that Satan used a physical, emotional need At that point, Jesus had to be hungry. I've only fasted for seven days at the max. I can't imagine what it takes to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. But at that moment, he needed sustenance. He needed food, and he's most vulnerable. And so Satan says, why don't you turn these stones into bread? We all know what Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. And there are some times where we find that temptation in our life, where we want to turn the things that we know are, are basic and simple into something that is a little more pleasurable or desirable than what it should be and we have to resist that temptation knowing that if we read our word if we study God if we listen to his to praises and we inhabit the pra- and God inhabits the praises of his people then we have that possibility to overcome and then next satan tempts him by saying why don't you just jump off this temple in Jerusalem jump down don't worry angels will come and and keep you and you won't have to st- stub your foot on the ground so he's reaching an emotional need of security Sometimes when we feel insecure, when we think that, you know, right now I don't see how the world possibly sees me as an important person or, or you know, I'm just I've had this past life and right now I feel so insecure about who I am as an individual. You have to resist that temptation. And so Jesus says, the scriptures also say, do not test the Lord your God. And then lastly... Satan takes him up on a hillside and he sees all these cities and he says, I'll give you all of these people. You can be this rich ruler. You can have all the wants and desires of your heart. And he says, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So tonight, if you're at that precipice of temptation, I want you to say right now even, Get out of here, Satan. I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't desire you. You are just a roadblock. Resist the devil with all of his temptations and see that you have a greater good for possibility, a greater potential than what you could have ever imagined. And so as the story goes on, Jesus finds himself in Galilee preaching his message that repent for the kingdom of heaven is here and now. And I find that is a message that we also need to share with the world. But are all of us called to be disciples? We read the text. We find that you know the first few disciples were called by saying, cast down your nets. Are we supposed to take that next step? And tonight, I want you to see that there is great potential. If you are willing to take that next step, if you are willing to move forward in your relationship with Christ, to give him all you are, to be devoted 100%, not just be a churchgoer on Saturday or Sunday, but be a church liver between Monday and Friday. If you are able to do that, if you want to get to that point, I encourage you over this next four weeks as we study what it means to be on the road to discipleship, that you'll start to ask questions and understand, okay, God, who have you called me to be in relationship with you? And in what way can I be used for the furtherance of your kingdom? And so tonight, as we study discipleship, I just want you to be very transparent with you. It comes with a choice. Are you willing? Are you ready to take that step forward? And the choice is hard because it makes us understand that a commitment to discipleship, it means that, you know what, there are some things we may have to give up. First and foremost, it chooses, it chooses challenges as blessings, and it trades in our comforts for contentment. Now, there are things in our lives that we are not willing to give up, but maybe Christ is calling us to give those things up so that we will see that there is greater potential in God's blessings, that there is greater potential with what God can gift us with than there is in the things that we have for ourselves. And many times, our call to discipleship presents us with a test of determining what really matters in our lives. You know, that's a question Lindsay, my wife, and I have had to ask ourselves. What really matters? in our lives, what's really important for us to keep. Uh, we, We have a budget, we try to use a budget every single year and so monthly we calculate, okay, what are our expenses, what is a want, and what is a need? My dad had a great way of sharing that with me as a kid. All right, Rory, what's a want and what's a need? I remember as a teenager, dad, I want an Xbox. Xbox Live is awesome. I have a friend who has that, I really want it. And he says, okay, do you really need it? I said, well, kinda, I kinda need it, I mean, I, I wanna stay relevant to my age group, and, you know, I have some buddies that play Xbox, like, yeah, I want, I want Halo, I want Xbox, I, I wanna do Xbox Live, and he said, okay, if this is a need in your life, I believe that God can provide you with the opportunity to pay for that. I said, but won't you pay for it? And he said, no, 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 God will provide you with the ability to pay for that. I was like, well, how? He said, why don't you come and be a janitor at our grocery store? <sighs> really? That's not really for me providing for my need. That's me having to get down and dirty doing things as a germaphobe. I really don't want to do. But he said, give it a shot. See if God will provide for that need. And as I started to work a little bit more, I realized, you know, I don't really need it. (laughs) I don't need it a whole lot. It's not something that's going to make or break me. And so I decided, you know what, Dad, I really don't need that. And come Christmas, I thought, well, he knows I gave up on the challenge. He'll get me one. I got clothes. I was very upset about that. But is it any different from what we're willing to give up for Christ? Is it any any different from the things that we think are essential to our productivity, the things that we think are essential to our everyday living? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, what do we really need? And if God isn't calling you or empowering you to do something for him, you can expect to be tested You can expect to find that, really, that question of, is this a need or a want, will start to come up. And you can expect testing to be proportionate to the seriousness of your call. You know, the devil may not show up in person like he did for Christ, or on the same supernatural level that he tested Jesus, but your hardships may seem unbearable apart from the grace of God. And really, I think that when it comes to testing, when it comes to discipleship, Those tests are so integral. They are so important for us to go through because we realize the potential that Christ has given us to overcome the things of this world. If we can, let's hit the first slide there, guys. Um, Trading in our comfort for contentment, accepting challenges as blessings. You know, there's so little, so many times in my life, I don't really look at a challenge as a blessing. I think that it's more of an obstacle for me to, to overcome. But then as, you know, I'm getting a little bit older now, I do look back at some of those challenges and I think, man, I really wouldn't have felt God in as much of a powerful way had I not gone through that challenge. And here's the thing. You know, the devil may not show up in that supernatural way, but the thing is the devil doesn't want any sold out, bought out, devout going to give the devil a shout disciples. He doesn't want people to give their lives fully to God. He doesn't want people to see that God can supply their every need, that they can live life selflessly, because when it comes down to it, he wants the, I'm going to read my Bible on Sunday, pray on Monday, and then I'm not really going to touch it until next Sunday. He wants those believers who are not willing to give the extra mile. He wants those believers that are not willing to just say, okay, I'm yours. He wants those who are unwilling to change because when it comes down to it, a life of discipleship means giving up things of yourself, of giving in to the greater need. And the testing really before Jesus calls the first disciples It's really showing us that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he was able to overcome the devil and all of his temptations, hitting the emotional, hitting the the physical needs, hitting everything. He wanted that temptation because when it comes down to it, he shows his people you can overcome the same temptations. I believe wholeheartedly it was a part of God's plan for we read in Scripture that the Spirit is the one who led him into the wilderness. And maybe right now you're being led into the wilderness because because God wants to see, are you willing to overcome the temptations? Are you willing to overcome the challenges? Are you willing to trust in me and trust in my provision and trust in my power? Because really when it comes down to it, it's the same spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That same spirit abides in you. So what in the world are we not able to overcome? What in the world are we not able to find victory over? If it's illness, God formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you intricately. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God is able to heal you when doctors say it's not possible. Baby, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily physical. Maybe it's, it's all about finances. Maybe right now you don't feel like you can give an extra cent to, a, to tithing. Maybe you feel as if that you can't give of your time to volunteer at our coffee shop. Maybe it's because time is too precious and you're just not willing to give it up. But God formed the universe from the very beginning. He formed the planet. He formed time. He formed space. There's nothing that he's able to overcome. He's not going to be like Thanos with a little ring and turning time. God started it from the beginning. He doesn't have to manipulate it. He controls it, and God can give you the ability to manage your time better, to volunteer, to give of yourself for other people. And you know what? Testing is for our good. If you look back through the Bible, if you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, the biblical heroes who really matured through the time of testing, they really understood the depth of God's grace. They really understood the depth of God's power. They really understood the depth of God's love. And they understood that it was God who sustained them through His all- through it all. I think of Abraham and Isaac, that one son he wanted and God asked him to offer him as a sacrifice. But as the knife is coming down, he stops it and he sees the sacrifice is already there for him. God can provide for every need. And there are times where we have to give up things that are great. Maybe it's a relationship that you really just need to break because it's not forming you into the person that God has called you to be. Maybe it's a job change because you're know you not in the place you really should be. You're not serving Christ to the fullest of your ability. Maybe it's a big change, but when those temptations come, when that, that test comes, you can find greater dependability upon God. You can find that grace. And just like the prophets of old, you can find a God that provides for your every single need. And when temptations seem extremely strong, or when you think you can't really rationalize anymore, giving in, It's not because you're weak. So many times, I think that's the problem with Christians. We look at other people and we're like, wow, that person's weak. They succumbed to that temptation. Oh, that person's weak. They just gave in to that, that really bad thing and we can see how it's affecting their lives. It's not because you're weak, but it's because the Satan is trying to block God's purposes in your life, which will affect your life. And so many times, it affects the life of another. If we don't give over to God everything that we are if we don't believe that he's able to sustain our every single need, not only does it affect who we are as Christians, who we are as disciples, but it's also going to affect our witness to other people. And God wants you to be that reflection to other people, but Satan hates that. Because right now the world, it's in misery. Right now the world, it's tearing itself apart. I mean, all you have to do is watch the evening news to see how bad it is. All he wants are those Christians who are only going to come to church on Sunday because they're too afraid to talk on Monday to their co-workers about what God did in their lives and service. Temptations are hard, trials are hard, but God has the ability to overcome. And really, the truly triumphant boast, it doesn't come in the success of the test, but in God's empowerment, in God's ability, in God's a choosing of us to go through that and show how much we can depend on him because we can overcome. And Jesus went into this testing only after the Father had empowered him with the Holy Spirit. So just a simple phrase I want you to understand. When it comes to discipleship, as you're thinking through this series, okay, God, am I willing to take that next step? Am I willing to go in this direction? Am I willing to commit my life fully over to you? Remember that when the commitment grows the testing flows. When your commitment to Christ grows, the testing, I think, automatically starts to flow. It wants you to remind you of that person you once were, maybe of a Christian that you once were. But I want you to repeat after me. I did this a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was pretty important. I just feel like God is talking to somebody tonight about taking that extra step. So repeat after me, if you will. God has given me a purpose. God has given me a purpose. Let's do that one more time. God has given me a purpose. Do you believe that? Do you really think God has? I know he has, but do you believe that? Are you ready to take that next step? And you know what? We make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God through the power of God rather than the pleasure and comfort we find from his blessing. There are so many times God has blessed Lindsay and I and and we think, okay, this is great. You know, we, we think of moving to Ohio. We are not in a pastor role over there except for just a year. Um, we, we came over to Ohio. I had to live in my mother and father's basement. If you're a married couple of a couple, I think at that point we were five years married, living with your parents is not a great idea. You know, I love my mom and dad, but when they're trying to tell me how to raise my six month old child, there's some friction there, there's some tension there. And so we lived with my parents for a year and a half. I knew my wife was about ready to be done. So we found a house, and God really blessed us with the ability to purchase this house because it was under market value, and we thought, this is perfect. We're going to do so much living in this house. Within the first year, we needed a new sewer line, and it was just after our home warranty expired. Thankfully, we had a savings account. We didn't have one after but we had a savings account, and we had to replace that water line, So we, or the sewer line. So we did. And I was like, okay, you know what? God really tested us there, but he's taught us how to, to save money, and so we're fine. Everything's going to be fine. Then our water heater went out. And it's this Bradford White, like, 90-gallon water heater that only certain people carry. And I'm like, oh, my word, what are we going to do? Thankfully, God provided for the need. We found a Christian plumber who did it at a really cheap rate. And we're like, okay, we're good. Everything's fine. And then our shower went out. I mean, it's just one thing after another. We had a leak in our ceiling. It was from our garbage disposal. I thought, what in the world are you doing, God? But every single time, God provided for our needs. God had a purpose for us coming to Ohio. God had a plan for us as we came to Ohio. And as an old yucky house had nothing to do with that plan except show us how much we can depend on God. Because believe me, there were points in our marriage where we're like, what in the world were we thinking? We should have never left Indiana. We should have stayed in Ohio. This is ridiculous. We were looking at all of the negative but not even thinking of the positive of how God provided for each and every single need. And tonight, maybe that's what you need by repeating, God has given me a purpose. Maybe you need to believe that because you can start to look back at your life and see how God has provided for you, how God has been along that plan, along that journey to get you to this point tonight. God has a purpose for you. Secondly, discipleship, One of the things, and I think this is one of the hardest parts of discipleship, makes the most significant impact for the kingdom of God through meeting the needs of other people. That's hard because we have this little thing called ego. And the ego is hard to overcome because I think there are times in our lives where we don't really want to meet the needs of other people. We just want to focus on ourselves. Well, Look at how Jesus called the disciples. I love this. Verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon also called Peter and Andrew fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called them out and said, come be my disciples and I will show you how to fish for people. I will make you fishers and men. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. We'll stop right there for now. You know what? Jesus, when he called the disciples, I love the fact that he also mentioned, I'm going to make you fishers of people. Immediately after calling the disciples, he had a plan and purpose that was for other people fishers and men. Jesus told Andrew and Peter to to leave their fishing business, to begin their business of fishing for people, helping others find God. Jesus was calling them away from their productive trade to be productive spiritually. In this story, when Jesus called Andrew and Peter to follow them, I love this part, he already talked to them and he had already heard, they had already heard Jesus preach in the area. In fact, Jesus had already healed Peter's mother-in-law. You remember that story out of Luke? I love that. We, a lot of times we forget that you know, Peter and Jesus saw, because I think when we read a story of Jesus calling the first disciples, we think, man, they were in a trance. Jesus had such eloquent speech that they were just mesmerized by him. But remember in Luke's gospel how Jesus was preaching in the synagogue, he cast out a demon, and then Peter's like, hey, 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 come, come with me. And, and my mother-in-law is sick, please heal her. My mother-in-law. I mean, some of us, that, that's a big feat right there. Hey, come heal my mother-in-law. I'm going to stop with that because I feel like that could be dangerous territory there. But come heal my mother-in-law. And so Jesus comes over to Peter's house. And, and he sees Peter's mother-in-law you know, laying there. And she's lame from fever. And she's just not doing well. And so Jesus stands beside her. And he prays that the fever would be removed. And guess what? It happened. And after the fever was removed, his mother-in-law got up and prepared a meal for the Sabbath. Because it was the Sabbath and they had to have their meal. And so Jesus had already done that. They had seen firsthand how Jesus was working in the lives of other people. But how often, how often do we really leave the comfort of our own homes, the comfort of our own space to really meet the needs of other people that Jesus has called us to? I mean, it's not always fun, right? it's not always easy. We, we don't oftentimes like to go do those things because it stretches us. And you know what? There are sometimes conversations that I have as a pastor that I'm not always enjoying. There are sometimes where we're doing ministry work and it's not always the, what we want to do with our day. But if Jesus calls us to that, why in the world do we say no? Because remember, even at the first call of disciples, it wasn't just come be my disciples, come follow me. Uh, We'll have fun for about three years and then I'm going to die. It it wasn't that, it was come follow me. I'm going to teach you how to turn your trade into meeting the needs of other people. I'm going to take what you think is success in this world, turn it upside down and show you what real success is. Because when it comes down to it, it's not about how much money you make. It's not about how many assets you have. It's really not about the car you drive, even as immaculate as it may be. It's about what you're doing with the things that God has given you to meet the needs of other people so that you can show them Christ. And right now in this world, people need to see Christ. They do. All they see is the negative. They need to see that God is still loving, that God is still caring, that they sent, that God sent his only son to die for their sins, that even while they were still sinners... Christ came to save them of their wicked ways. When we're called to follow Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be something that we want. But when you find that you can make a difference in another person's life, it kind of gets you going. It kind of gets your juices flowing. And it's exciting because, you see, even as a church, we don't help other people because we're just a church. We help other people because Jesus helped us. And maybe that's, above all, what we need to remember right now. You know, I'm not sure what you went through pre-Christian days. I'm not sure about the kind of life that you lived. But I would almost guarantee that each and every single one of us here tonight that profess to be a Christian didn't really have the life we wanted before we gave ourselves to Christ. That maybe weren't the happiest of people that we could be before we gave our lives to Christ. I think when it comes down to it, we so easily forget what God has done for us, that God has called us out of the pit, that God decided to save us from a death that we deserved, to give us the life that we've always wanted. You know, I I love David. I love the the character of David. I love the fact that this man was never afraid to express himself to other people. I mean, the fact that he danced around naked in the temple and made a fool out of himself, that's pretty cool. I'm not going to do that. I don't suggest doing that, but hey, If God calls you, uh, maybe at another church. I don't know. No. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I need to stop. But anyway, I love the fact that he was never afraid to speak about the praises of what God has done in their lives. Psalm 18 is a a text that I just love to read. I'm going to read it for you tonight. In verse 3, he says, I will call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, for he saves me from my enemies. The ropes of death surrounded me. The flood of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me and death itself stared me in the face. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to God for my help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He delivered me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me. And were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was weakest. They attacked me at a moment when I was weakest. Do you see any correlation there to Jesus? But the Lord upheld me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. That's what God did for us. And that's what God is working on us to remember. He has brought us out of the pit of despair when death had its ropes wrapped around us. He sent his one and only son into the world to forgive and forget so that we might be redeemed, that we might be saved, that we might be empowered to do the same for other people. Because remember, his love, his love rescues what hell seeks to destroy His compassion forgives and forgets when all we want to do is remember, when all the evil one wants us to do is remember who we once were. His love forgives and forgets. This is the God we need to share because the world needs a Savior. They've tried to find their own God on their own and they've come up short. We need to share the Savior, the Redeemer of the world, because that is the only thing that will make a difference in the life of another person. God has called us to be a helper to other people. God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Even when we despise them, even when we can't stand them, that's who God has called us to do. That's the work of a disciple. That's the choice you have to make. Can you set aside the bad things other people have said about you? Can you forget that past life you may have had? Can you move forward and share the love of a Savior to other people? It's not easy. It's a challenge, but it's worth it because that is who God has called us to be. His followers must be weak, meek, sorry, meek. His followers must not retaliate. They must go beyond the letter's law to the Spirit. They must do right when only God is looking. Boy, that's a hard one at times, isn't it? A lot of times we want the praise, don't we? Followers, the true disciples of Christ, have to be those who do right when only God is looking. They must depend on God for their spiritual needs and pursue his interests rather than their own. And this is one of the hardest parts of a disciple. They must leave spiritual measurements of others' hearts up to God. God is God. I am not. His ways are above my ways, Whatever I think may be wrong in another person's life, I am not that person to judge. Because God has the final say. God has the final word. And the true disciples, they're the ones who get that. They're the ones who understand it. Unfortunately, it's the Christians who don't really go the extra mile who end up complaining about other people. Did you know Sister So-and-So smoked a cigarette after church? Can't believe they would do that. I went to Applebee's and I saw somebody drink a beer and they go to church. That's not okay. You know what? God is God. I don't really agree with some bad habits that occurred, but God is God. Let him judge. Don't be the judge. One of the things that drives me nuts sometimes, at least the first, let me be transparent with you. The first church I pastored, it was a church of maybe eight people. And the median age was maybe 65. And I knew about every single person's business from the piano player. Boy, she knew everybody's story inside and out, especially when they made a mistake. And she would let me know on Sunday, that person needs to come to the altar. Okay. All right, Marilyn. Yeah, bless your heart. Because, wow, God's given you some supernatural insight into that person's life. And I made her really mad one day because I said this. I said, Marilyn, if you're that concerned about this other person's wrong that they've committed this week, why don't you go ask if you can pray for them? Why don't you ask if you can call them up and just see how they're doing this week? Why don't you just kind of, you know, wrap your arm around and say, hey, I don't know why, but I just feel like God is telling me to pray for you today. We can't be the ones to condemn. Because unfortunately, if we're the ones who only condemn people who walk through these doors... Who's ever going to want to come back? God is God. We are not. His ways are not our ways. And so, in short, (laughs) true people of the kingdom, they live for God and not for themselves. They put everything in God's hands. So first, we repeat it. God has a purpose for me. Secondly, I want you to repeat after me. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for me. And that plan is selfless. That plan is for other people. That plan is to help others come to know who Christ is. Thirdly, discipleship means making the greatest impact for the kingdom of God when we pursue God's purposes and we share the good news of Jesus Christ. So in kind of wrapping up, I just have this question. Are you willing to go down that road to discipleship? Are, are you willing to take the next step and give yourself over to God in a greater way than you ever have before? Will the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven is near and meeting the needs of other people be something that you want to do? When you read further in this text, you see that the ministry that started in Galilee, as he was with his disciples proclaiming that message, they saw God heal miraculous, with miraculous signs. He, they saw God Cast out demons. They saw God heal lepers. They saw God help people with epilepsy. He's, they saw God do everything. And they helped proclaim the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus spread. The news went from like here to Logan. From Galilee to Syria. So from like here to Kentucky. Even West Virginia. Without a cell phone. Without email. Without instant messenger. Without Xbox Live the name of Jesus was able to spread because they gave of themselves. They proclaimed the good news of Jesus and they lived their lives for other people. By meeting the needs of other people, by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus became a phenomenon. And we have to remember, God has so loved you in such an incredible way that why don't we want to go and love others? If you love others with unselfish concern, concern God abides in you and his love is completed and his love is perfected in you and by showing this kind of love you will be a testament that God sent his son into the world God sent his son as a Savior. Remember that John three sixteen passage for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save the world you believe that God has a purpose for your life you believe that God has a plan for your life and thirdly are you willing to go I really pray that over the next four weeks, as we go through this series of discipleship, you really start to ask that question. If you want to volunteer somewhere, we have a coffee shop that desperately needs volunteers, and it's a great place to really experience what witnessing is all about. If you want to be a part of of children's ministry and you want to maybe teach Sunday school, we have that opportunity for you. But Here's really what it comes down to. Again, as a church, we don't do church-like things. We don't help other people because it's what we do as a church. We do it because we believe that's what God has called us to do. And just like Jesus asked Andrew and Peter, are you willing to give up a profession? Are you willing to change something so drastic in your life that you'll start to see that real success is not built up on a profession, that real success is about the kingdom? Because when it comes down to it, as we just sang, every knee will bow, And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but how are they going to do that if they don't know because we're not willing to share? Are you ready to take that next step in discipleship? Are you ready to go places you never thought you could go? Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? The rest, I'm gonna leave up to you. But again, I want you to ask these questions. I want you to really examine your hearts and see what God is calling you to you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the scripture we read, Lord. I thank you for the task at hand. It's not always easy to take that step in discipleship. It's not always easy to give ourselves to you, whether it be our time, whether it be our money, whether it be our relationships, God, whether it be the things that you have blessed us with. It's not easy to give it up, but Lord, I pray that we would see tonight the potential that resides in you, that we would see the purpose that resides in you, that we would find that plan true in our lives, Lord. I pray that this week, if you were calling us to this, Lord, we would take that next step, maybe even talking to a coworker or a neighbor we can't stand, being that love in this world that so desperately is needed so that we would make an impact for your kingdom, going beyond just coming to church on a Sunday or Saturday and into helping people find church on monday and tuesday and the rest of the week god bless these people as they are here god bless their families i pray that you would make that that calling in their lives be really pertinent this week that they would find you wooing them pursuing them that as they take that next step lord they would do so in confidence believing you have the power to overcome anything i ask all this in jesus precious and holy name amen And we thank you for coming tonight. You are dismissed. And uh, be sure to grab some coffee on your way out.